Dare we open Pandora's mystic box? To every generation, a slayer is born, except this time, there were six. This is the dimension of imagination. You are entering the mystic zone. Do you ladies see that aura? Something wonderful this way comes. Welcome to the Mystic Order podcast. And I'm Gail, the Mystic Queen. And I'm Joanne, the Mystic Defender. I'm Marion, the Mystic Dog Whisperer. And I'm Mary, the Nebulous Mystic. And we're missing two mystics today. We're missing Margie and Katie, and they're, they're missed. But we have a very special guest, Rivers Langley. And tell us a little bit about yourself, Rivers. Hello. I'm uh, the Mystic Queen's son, the Mystic Prince. <laughs> I am a comedian and a podcaster myself, and I live in Los Angeles, California, and I'm here for holiday. Holiday. So, Great. Well, we started off when the mystics walked into the studio, Rivers Langley was cooking because our show today is about cooking. So I guess we'll start off asking Rivers what on earth was that he was cooking? Uh, It was a recipe that I found out about eating at a restaurant called The Empress, which is in Victoria, Canada. And the dish at the restaurant was called compressed potatoes. But if you look up the recipe, it's a French recipe called potatoes pavé, which is the French word for paving stones. Because uh. of and that, that's because of how you arrange the potatoes. So you, basically, you get a mandolin. I used a regular mandolin here. Japanese mandolin is uh, preferred because you can get those potatoes thinner. What is the difference between a French mandolin and a Japanese mandolin? Uh, the French has hard settings, and the Japanese you can you can just kind of twist and turn the knob as much as you want. Whereas the French one is like one, yeah. two, click, three. Click. Yeah, click, click, click. Whereas mm. the Japanese is more. You can get it crazy thin, which is what you want. You want the the potatoes to be essentially translucent. You get three pounds of russet potatoes. I, did, I didn't peel them. I didn't see a need. Oh my gosh. I was going to say, did we just eat three pounds of potatoes? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I never, I didn't feel the need to peel them. So I just washed them and then uh, cut them right down the middle and then mandolin out three, three pounds of potatoes. And then you uh, put them in a bowl of cream, rosemary, and uh, it calls for one tablespoon of salt. I instead went for two tablespoons of Tony Sacheries because I'm a redneck. And uh, and then uh, uh, some garlic powder. I don't see how you could possibly be a redneck since you're my son. And I, I tossed them in the, in the cream. And then you arrange them. Like I said, it's the, the recipe is called pave, which means paving stone. So you have to arrange them in kind of a slightly overlapping pattern like this in a bread pan. And you do two rows, and you just keep layering, keep layering, keep layering till it fills up. And then you uh, you put parchment paper down with and kind of brush it with butter first before you start doing that. And then fold that parchment paper over, put uh, aluminum foil on top, cook it in an oven at 350 for an hour or two hours and 50 minutes. Then when you pull it out, you take another bread pan, put that on top, and then weigh it down with something heavy. In this case, I I gotta I have to confess they were not as compressed as I had wanted wanted them to be. Uh, the last couple times I did it, I have a, a gigantic cheese ball jar that I keep about uh, you know seven years worth of pennies in. Ah. So that's what I use to compress mm-hmm. at home, and that you know that thing weighs about twenty five pounds. So it's a real you know serious compression. This time I just used soup cans, and it wasn't as uh, was it wasn't as uh, thoroughly mushed as I wanted. But but well, you know, with that, you had the little layers that you had, and they got a little crispy on the side. Yeah, Lay- yeah. oh yes, yeah. They, Listeners, they, they, it was they wonderful. Were, they were starting to like kind of come apart in the in the skillet. I was having a little trouble keeping them together. Uh, when when I do the recipe at home, it's it's not that not that bad. But anyway, you weigh it down once it's hot, and just leave it out, and you let it set to room temperature. Uh, last night, and this will date this conversation somewhat, but uh, I took them out of the oven, weighed them down, went and watched Star Wars, and then when I came back, uh, <laughs> uh, they were uh, compressed, ready to go. And then, yeah, you take off the weights, obviously, put them in the fridge overnight, and then pull them out of the fridge and cut them into, into little uh, rectangles and fry them on the, on the skillet in canola oil. And that's where I thought the paving stones came in because they are like little bricks 
before you fry them. Right. Yeah. When we got them the Not first time. Texture. Yeah. <laughs> when we got them the first time, they just, you know, if, if they're compressed correctly and you're just looking at them, you don't really, you're just like, oh, these are just potatoes that have been cut into into rectangles. And then when you eat them, they kind of flake apart and you're like, oh, this is right. something and, and else happening here. Right. And the cream and the yeah. butter oh, and the fried it's, and all it's, that it's stuff. A, it's, yeah. it's, almost a, it's, it's almost a perfect French recipe because there's four ingredients it's delicious and it takes forever. It's yeah. <laughs> which is like all of French cooking. Well, when we were eating at the Empress Hotel, I was with my lovely son Rivers Langley, and a friend uh, bought this meal for us, and that's good because we would have had to float alone, I think, to pay for it. It was a very kind of snotty atmosphere, <laughs> and the person who brought the plate out put mine down and started explaining to me everything on the plate. And when she got to compress potatoes, I told her I would personally like to thank the chef for compressing my potatoes. And later, after I tasted them, they were so absolutely delicious, I felt bad about being snide. So I recommend this recipe. Mm -hmm. And also, it it genuinely does take forever. (laughs) It's it's such a uh, complex process. But Well, the abbreviated version is what I call Potatoes Anna. And you stop at putting them in layers with the cream, with the butter, with the the seasonings, and then you just bake it and stop. (laughs) Oh, okay. Gotcha. That sounds good. What's it called? Potatoes Anna. Now, Marion must say something because she's a big root vegetable fan. Well, back before, when Marion used to eat meat, I made something, well, I certainly never compressed potatoes. I certainly never peeled how many pounds? I didn't peel any of them. I mean, well... I didn't even wash I man- three pounds. Man- mand- mandolin three pounds. <laughs> I've I've never mandolin three pounds of potatoes. But back when I used to eat meat and even meat in a can, I would buy is corn, that spam corn, meat corn beef oh, from oh, from Brazil. Not pot- potted meat. No no, no 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 no. I never ate potted meat or any those. But I did buy Vienna sausages. No no no. Well, I did eat Vienna. <laughs> Vienna. And then I came to Auburn, and my my classical guitar and piano teacher said. It's called Vienna. <laughs> and I went home to Jernigan and said, we can't say Vienna sausage anymore. It's Vienna. And mm, that didn't go over well in Jernigan. Did they sell Vienna sausage in your country store? We sell Vienna sausage, souse meat. Deviled ham. Yeah, deviled ham. We sold hooked cheese. We sold um, canned f- um, salt fish in a great big tin can that sat on the floor and that's what we used to have for Sunday morning breakfast. How long did that salt fish? It lasted a good while but we would have that for Sunday breakfast and it was delicious. We'd have grits and salt fish for Sunday breakfast when I was growing up. It was good. But I used... is Is this a meal for poor white trash or country store owners? It's a delectable meal for either. (laughs) But I used to do the potatoes and cream and butter and salt and pepper and layer. I I just thin slice potatoes and layer it with the corned beef and bake it. A layer of potatoes. I used to do that a lot when I, I, I I don't eat meat from, I don't eat meat much and I don't eat meat from a can ever now but it was good while it lasted (laughs) when you talk about meat from a can i was raised by a single mother who went to work we had the people who helped at home kept us children and did the cooking we actually had a schedule for what we were going to eat the same schedule every week like monday's fried chicken tuesday's fried pork chops Wednesday is cream tuna on toast I out of the can. I do eat tuna out of a can. I don't know if y'all fed cream tuna on toast, but it's really not called shit on a shingle. No, but if you're in the army and it's beef made the very same way on toast, that's what beef. they call it. Did the queen just say that word? I shit think on she a shingle. <laughs> well, I every World War II veteran still living has eaten it. And it's still served at the officers' club at Fort Benning. It is. You, is it on the menu? Is that uh, no? It's on it as creamed dried beef on oh, toast. Can we go back to your weekly schedule of yes. what you ate? <laughs> Monday nights was fried chicken, and Tuesday was pork chops. Okay. Wednesday was tuna on toast. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Creamed. Creamed. Thursday was hamburgers. Oh. Friday was spaghetti. Okay. And Saturday was salmon croquettes. Oh, I remember those. I loved them. I yeah. still eat salmon what about out of Sunday? a can too. And Sunday was always steak or baked uh. chicken. 
So I had a boyfriend, and when he kissed me, he often commented that whenever he kissed me, it reminded him of Spaghetti Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that why he broke up with you? No, I think it's why he stuck around for so long, because then Joe asked me, I guess I don't have to ask you if you like garlic. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I must taste like garlic all the time. I do like garlic. So how many but people have tested this spaghetti kiss? Only two in my life. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say, but your last name is not even Italian. Mm-mm. And that's what we grew up on Italian cooking. We used even, to bring our... Oh, I'm sorry. I had another garlic comment. I'm going to go back to you. Well, we're talking about Italian, so go ahead. Yeah. We, Joe and I used to chop our own garlic and bring it to the pizza places because they never put enough garlic on our garlic pizzas. <laughs> I guess garlic, though, is not just Italian. I mean, the Polish use a lot of garlic and a lot of... I think most groups. of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most of them, they do. That, that garlic is the, yeah. the essence of the, of the it's flavor. Pretty, pretty much everywhere but Oregon and Washington. Well, Rivers, your perfect parents probably had you on a wonderful diet. What well, what did your parents cook for you? Oh, my my favorite up in hindsight was uh, at some point you guys got introduced to uh, Greek cuisine and had gyros, mm. and in lieu of actually going to the lengths of getting the the half lamb, half beef, you know, gyro stuff, just introduced what we were called in the house uh, pita bread sandwiches, which was just <laughs> ground ground beef that just happened to be inside of a pita bread with lettuce. So it was just a differently arranged hamburger. But it did have yogurt on it. It was a deconstructed hamburger with yogurt. And ours had um, baba ganoush in uh, it. And did it you did. make the baba ganoush? Because that's trouble. Poe and John David make baba ganoush now, but no, I bought three sheiks baba ganoush at Kroger, but Kroger doesn't carry it anymore. There's a really good brand at, at Publix right now, and they call it Eggplant hummus, and then in parentheses, Baba Ganesh. Uh, where do you where where is it in that store? It's near the produce section. Also, the fabulous place in Auburn called Insomnia has good Baba yeah, Ganesh, and they have the best hamburgers on the planet. And Insomnia, y'all remember that if you're ever in Auburn, because you would never think to stop there. For and a you hamburger. would never forget Insomnia once you've been there. <laughs> well, nope. if you don't like it, if you don't want to go there, then go to Owls in Birmingham because it's the same food by the same people. Really? Mm-hmm. Do they still have that. the hookah smokers out front they, at Insomnia now? No, I think I don't think so. At least I don't see them anymore. I haven't noticed I them. I think they do. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They've still got it going. It may not be as popular as it once was. But yeah. That looked very goods. like a very good way to pass germs to me. You get your own little mouthpiece. The people that I saw weren't changing any mouthpieces. I was going to say, you just passed it around. I don't smoke we, the hookah. We bought our own hookah. <laughs> what? We bought our own hookah. I I hope it was just mint in that hookah. Shisha. Whatever John David put in it. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, talking about Birmingham restaurants, my favorite Birmingham restaurant is El Barrio on 2nd Avenue. It's Mexican, and it's the finest Mexican restaurant. Maybe they will be our sponsor because I think they're fabulous. Okay, let's talk about Southern foods. We recently, and we've mentioned this, that we recently visited a plantation for a picture shoot and had Southern food there. What's your idea of Southern food? My idea of Southern food, and to this day, the one thing that will make me break my promise to not eat meat is crackling bread. I love crackling bread and buttermilk better than any food. There's no food on earth that I've ever tasted that I love as much as I love crackling bread and How buttermilk. How do you make crackling bread? I was going to say, bread. I've never heard of this. You buy Lester's or Cliffy Farms. You do not buy Hormel. Do not buy Hormel. Cra- pork cracklings in the meat department of a grocery store, preferably a... Well, here, the only place that has them is the Walmart Opelika, and po- I don't even think our Piggly Wiggly has them. Wow. <laughs> you boil them in water. Meanwhile, you Are put these chitlins? No. No. Cracklins. They're, cracklins. they're cracklins. Is, the, is it the skin? Skin, yeah. 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 Oh, Pork my skin. gosh. I might have to go but, outside uh, for a few minutes. But it's not, it's not what comes in a bag on the potato chip rack, though, by any means. It's not that. I mean, it's not processed that way. But you put the meal, some salt in a bowl, and then you pour your cracklings and the water you boil them in in there and stir it till you get it to the right consistency. I make pones so that I get more crisp crust around the edges. Bake it in the oven. and then Pones with, is cornbread, right? Yeah, you yeah. just take your meal mixture and do it like this until you get a little yeah, oval so. pone. Yeah. Bake do it, it like a, what? 
You round it. You pat it out in your uh, hand. You can get it. You can get I got, and I did not know what Describe it was. Describe what you're doing. Right, no really. one can see it. I'll explain it. A pwned pan. You can get a pwned pan, and I got one for my wedding and had no earthly idea of what it was. If you can imagine flat little coin cobs about four inches long. Yeah. And they come out almost like, I'm trying to think, since we're talking well, French, like Madeleines. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I didn't know what those were either. I don't it's own a such pan. a pan, but I've seen them. I got one. Well, you bake your crackling bread till it's crisp, and then you eat it with buttermilk. But now another word, pone. Well, you know how you, when you get a certain age, you start getting fat in your thighs? I didn't. <laughs> that's, that's also called pones. Your pones are getting big. Folks would say. My bones are getting big. You, bet, you better watch. You better not eat any more of that crackling bread and buttermilk. You're getting pounds. Well, what about chitlins? If you ever, I've eaten never chitlins? eaten chitlins. I never will eat chitlins. I tried chitlins because in my family, I there's tell so people, many people will, you've got to eat no, every bit no, of the pig. My family has never eaten chitlins, but I had always heard about chitlins, and I have a mantra that I will eat anything that doesn't eat me first. And so I had a lady that I worked with in a chemical plant of all places make chitlins for me. And I've eaten them once. I'll never eat them again. No, they're horrible. Well, there's things you say that you'll never eat. And back in the day when I, before I gave up eating pigs, I liked sausage. And I went home one day and there was a styrofoam container in the refrigerator, which is always a good thing. It means somebody went to a restaurant. I opened it up and yummy. It was like a scrambled egg sausage casserole, which I hated in the microwave and ate all of. And it was delish. And Janie, my stepmother, came home and she looked in the refrigerator and she said, who ate my brains and eggs? <laughs> oh, gosh. So oh, gosh. never say never. I have eaten yeah. brains, and they were delish, but I would never eat them again. My son loves tongue. Oh, tongue. Mm-hmm. At the Mexican restaurant, he'll, he'll order tongue. Tripe. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, tongue. Tripe is intestine. Tripe is stomach. Oh, that's right. stomach. Yeah, yeah. Tongue is tongue. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get guacamole and he gets tongue. <laughs> well, Rivers, tell the mystics about the drink you had in the Yukon. Oh, the, the sour toe cocktail. So there's a place in Dawson City uh, in the Yukon Territory. And Dawson City is a gold mining town. When they had the gold rush in 1898, I think they said there were something like 75,000 people in Dawson City at one point. And they, it was called the Paris of the North. And it had an opera house. And it had all this very high society type of stuff because there was gold. Like, so there's tons and tons of money there. Cut to nowadays, there's still a gold mining operation, but it's it's a lot smaller now. And most of it's done, you know, strip mining style underground and everything. And so the town was built on top of permafrost. Every spring, that permafrost becomes very, you know, kind of ooey gooey. And the town is slowly sinking. So if you imagine like the showdown at the OK Corral, it's that type of architecture. So it looks like a Wild West town, but it's like a Tim Burton movie. Like all the buildings are warped (laughs) and like falling into the earth slowly being sucked down into the permafrost. But they have this hotel there called the Downtown Hotel. I think frostbite is very, very common there. People lose fingers and toes. And one of the things about the Yukon is you can tell the problem drunks there because they're all missing pieces of their faces (laughs) where they fell in the snow and fell asleep and then their faces started to freeze and they had to like cut parts of their faces off so all of the drunks are missing pieces of their noses and and cheeks and stuff like that and as is tends to happen people lose toes a lot due to frostbite and uh, so one regular lost his toe and brought it to the bar with him to drink with it you know because he didn't want to lose it and then he basically started daring people to drop it in their whiskey and take shots of Yukon Jack whiskey with the toe for good luck in the glass (laughs) The original toe, I think, lasted for like 30 years. They kept, they keep it in salt. You pay a certain amount of money because, well, they drop in alcohol, but then as soon as it's done, they put it back in the salt because if they kept it in alcohol, it would turn gross. Uh, oh, I'm sure you know. it's, not, it's not gross now. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's mummified it's brown, and it's, it's black toe. toe. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, the original toe is a big toe. Basically, this became so kind of popular where people would go in and do the shot with the toe in it that more people started donating their frostbitten digits to the process. <laughs> and so now I think they have a one big toe and one middle toe. And they used to have two big toes. But this guy comes in 
and of course he's an American, and of course he's from Texas, comes in and says to the lady, so they, they have a, a woman running it, uh, uh, I believe her name was Captain Anne, and she wears a captain's hat, and she's, uh, you know, she kind of looks a bit like, you know, the Crypt Keeper's sister. Uh, she was real nice, she's real sweet, but, you know, you could tell she, hard times, hard times. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she said that the guy comes in and was like, hey, uh, how much did you say you would find me if I, you know, I accidentally swallowed the toe? And she was like $500. And so he just drank the toe and mm-hmm. slapped down $500. Mm-hmm. So they had to find a new toe. So that someone gave him a replacement toe. I personally have committed my toes upon my demise uh, to them. It's a verbal agreement, but... How nice. Now you have witnesses. That's, yeah, yeah do. absolutely. I'm a little worried about when I go to the Great Divide. Mystics, I want you to count my toes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you go in and you pay. I think it was $5 Canadian. Uh, and then you get you get assigned a number. So I'm like the 6,972nd person to do the, the sour... T- they call it the sour toe cocktail. The thing that I thought was kind of a cop-out is that you could do any alcohol with it. There was no specific drink attached to it. It was just a shot of some hard alcohol. So you could do rum, vodka. And to me, I'm like, it's Yukon Jack. You know, mm-hmm. what What else are you going to do there except the local whiskey? So I did it with Yukon Jack whiskey. My mind has bounced back and forth between the Vatican and David Lynch. This whole story. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty famous like they they've had segments and stuff where they've travel people up there. Talk about relics. So who else here among us would drink a shot of the toe? Not me, not the queen, and I can't believe my the prince did. Well, I had a documentary crew. There was a, a CBC Canadian Broadcast Company camera crew following us this whole time so it's kind of like well i'm not gonna not gonna look like a were they, a follow, were Canadian they following TV. you because you had committed a crime well no <laughs> we didn't commit a crime but they did get pissed at us so the thing you have to understand about the yukon is it's canada's alaska and i mean that in every possible way like if you know people who have gone to alaska they went there because they did something wrong and they and, wanted and to get away yeah. to get away from it and uh I had a brother-in-law that did that right see it's it's <laughs> that's what alaska's there for it's there because their culture they is very like we're not asking questions we're just assuming you're here because you did something terrible back back east you know the yukon territory functions in a very similar way like it's a lot of people who did something sinister in toronto or whatever and they had to get out and uh when we got there the first day this camera crew was kind of following us around because we were the first american comedians to ever perform in the yukon territory like the canadian comics have sort of a circuit so they go up there all the time but because of this festival, we were the first Americans, as far as we know, uh, to actually like go there specifically to do stand-up. And they're following us around. And we go into there's a bar there called the 98, named for 1898 when they had the gold rush. I get the reason they took us there is because aesthetically it's very cool. It's got gold pans on the walls and furs. Like it's very, very Yukon. So to show us, you know, in there drinking the drinking the local uh, uh, Yukon beer and stuff like that was visually made sense. But the 98, we went there at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So everyone who's in there is a problem drunk who's a fugitive uh, from justice. And now the Canadian broadcast company busts in with three comedians from Hollywood and it's and, and emptied the bar. No, no, no. They were like going to kill us. Like we <laughs> walked in and they were like, hey, Hollywood, get out of our bar. This is not what it, hey, man. You know, like that. And they were uh, they were not receptive to us at all. But by the end, they, they warmed up to us. And uh, my, my friend, Mr. Goodnight, ended up uh, drinking with all the all the hobos. One guy was uh, he was wearing a hoodie and he seemed to be about um, about nine months pregnant with a, uh, a handle of uh, pop off vodka. I was going to say, and I think I would do it. I would. If, nobody has yeah. ever died that we know of. Yeah, that's fine. Well, yeah, the, cocktail. the toe wouldn't eat you first. Exactly. Yeah, they the toe keep, would you don't not have to eat, eat first. The, the toe just has to exist in the same yeah, drink. I think that I, you, yeah, <laughs> they keep it in salt. I would forego the $500. Yeah, they keep it in salt. Marion doesn't eat regular meat, chicken. But so you know she's I've not going to drink even, a toe. You know how it was uh, movies and novels make it seem romantic to suck your boyfriend's toe? <laughs> 
Uh-uh. I'm not, not sucking. I'm not sucking anybody's toe, and I'm not drinking anybody's. Oh, oh! I forgot to mention before she drops it in the drink, you have to kiss the toe. That's that's the other thing. She she holds We're it back out. to the relics, Marianne. So, yeah, so she holds it out and she goes, uh, she goes, uh, drink drink it fast or drink it slow. However you drink it, you gotta kiss the toe. Oh my god! And then you kiss the toe, and then she drops it in the drink there, and then you drink the, the drink with the toe in there. There. So it's been I sitting in the body stone. It's been yeah, like literally, yeah. it's got. Like it comes out on a plate of salt. Like I'll, right. I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pull up a picture and you guys can put it on your, uh, on, on your Twitter when this episode. Oh, drops. I can picture it. I can so picture it exactly. I would have no problem. Like an oyster. Like an oyster coming out on. I'm a with you, Marion. I'm not <laughs> drinking anything with a toe. I mean, I grew up hearing about toe jam. Yeah, but this yeah. has been sitting in salt. It's just yeah. completely desiccated and sterile. It's very des- desiccated. Would I mean, be the... it's nothing. It's like just a so, Marion, uh, Mary, you're saying that you would have had the toe drink. Yes, I wouldn't eat the toe, however. Yeah, no, oh, you got to no. kiss the toe. But kiss the toe. Yeah. I would You don't have I to eat it. You just drink get, the drink. Well, yeah. I don't know. It depends well, on Well, has anyone was... ever had um sweet bread? <laughs> no, what a transition. Well, it's awful too. It's pancreas. Oh, yes, I've yeah, had okay. sweet bread and, and thymus. But you know most animals, that's what they go for first. When a, a wolf or a Carnivore kills its prey. It goes for the brains. It goes for the sweet bread. It, likes it goes the for the tripe too. Eyeballs, yeah. all those innards. That's what eyeballs they go for and first. anus. <laughs> 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 I don't think they go for the anus first. Yes, they Is do. That a comedy. And yeah. this, this, that's this. what the buzzards do when you have a dead cow in the field. And here is my argument for root vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's the most unusual drink the rest of you have had? Anything like that or a food? Well, I I have had, of course, I've had fried rattlesnake when I was little and it was just, n- you know, it was nothing. It tasted like fried nothing, like a skinny. Was that in Op, Alabama? Oh, no, it was at my house. One of my dad's graduate students or something, you know, Bob, let's try this rattlesnake that I just hit on the road or something. But I did go to Africa. Our eating experience there was awful. We camped for a month and we had... Three things that were our staples. We had probably a root vegetable called posho that was ground up and cooked sort of like grits, like a pasty grit. And we had a very dark green leafy vegetable called skumawichi, which was good. And we had goat. I have a lot of experiences with that goat situation, but um, the worst was that I would sit under the tree and read books and pat the goat you know and then I was like wait why am I patting this goat it's going to be slaughtered for dinner and I'm not even going to go into how horrible the slaughtering of the goat was I can no longer talk about it like I used like I used to could but it was awful I've eaten grasshopper I've eaten um roasted larva and chocolate covered crickets I was fortunate enough when I was young and boy crazy to meet two very cute brothers who were seventh day adventists and they recommended that I eat by the book of Leviticus. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I can't claim that I still eat by the book of Leviticus. But I started learning early on. I'm just not a Did bit. you also have to read the book of Leviticus? They read it to me. Oh, they did? But they had it memorized. I just don't. I, I'm not a foodie. <laughs> That's something I realized from having Facebook. I'm not a foodie. I like plain food. I don't want my sweet potatoes to have extra stuff in them. I just want them baked in the oven with some butter. I don't want any raisins and Rice Krispies. I just, marshmallows. I, I just like my food plain. Plain, and like. Is that what the book of Leviticus the, the, says? I was going to say, mixed foods, it's wrong. I want my food plain like the book of Leviticus. Okay, so what well, it, what does, does this help say? you get to heaven? Oh, I have no idea. I doubt it very seriously. I doubt it very seriously. And, you know, I don't follow anybody's rules. So it's not like I have to eat by the book of Leviticus. I'm just saying I sort of trained myself early on to like plain, uncomplicated food. So I never have been. I'm one definitely th- looking this up. I'm not. Other than, so that probably says no cloven hoofed animals or something. No, Would it, no okay. shellfish. I can so, I can do that so far. I'm already eating by the book of Leviticus. You probably are eating by the look of, book of Leviticus, the but the look of Leviticus, yeah. Can you get liquor in the book of Leviticus? Um, those two boys seemed to me to be able to do anything they wanted to do I when see. they weren't at church. I see. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to mention something um, during this transitional moment about Southern cooking. I'm not much of a Southern cook at, at all, but one of my favorite delicacies from childhood, I'm sure y'all all had it too, was the the salad that consisted of a leaf of iceberg lettuce and a piece of canned pear and some grated cheddar cheese and a dollop of mayonnaise. mayonnaise that we still have that at that our had house. To be, had to be Dukes. <laughs> yeah, or, and with no, our Hellman's, steak on, on uh, Sunday or Saturday, whenever we had it, we'd have a wedge salad, and now they're back in. Mm-hmm. I've seen those. Ours had Thousand Island on it, yeah. though. Do y'all remember when Green Goddess actually had anchovy in it, the bought? That was my favorite dressing when I was little was green goddess with anchovy, which probably isn't in the book of Leviticus, but I didn't know about that when I was eating green goddess with anchovies. We've recently rediscovered greens because Joe realized you didn't actually have to put ham in them. I'm real happy about that because I do like greens and I've never put ham in my food. I've always, I make split pea soup once a week and I don't put any meat in it. I put carrot and garlic Mm. and it's so good. It's just split peas, carrot, garlic, and water and black cracked pepper. Two pork steaks in my collards. (laughs) (laughs) Did you cook the collards? I I cooked every last leaf and it didn't take us but two days to eat them all because that's how much my family loves collards, my my son and I. Those were particularly good, I thought. They were very good. And you're right, the stems were even sweet. I know. I couldn't believe it. We usually pick the leaf off the stem. but I picked them off, but then I ate the stems raw. Ah, well, all right then. My tomatoes didn't make it past the first cold, but the collards are still going strong. But we've just about uh, picked them all now. And one of my favorite foods, I have to say, Bob Langley, I don't know whether he actually introduced me to it for the very first time, but he certainly fanned the flame as arugula. Oh, yeah. I think arugula is one of the best tasting I've got some in the garden right now. It's the best, probably one of the best, well, it's one of the best tasting things I've ever eaten, along with celery leaves. Yeah, I like celery leaves. I always have them in my Bloody Marys, but I don't have a toe in my Bloody Mary. And I don't have a toe in mine. One time my friend Husky was patting his dog, who was very, very mean, although Husky claimed he was nice. And um, he was sitting beside his friend Ginger, and they were patting his mean dog, and the dog snapped, and they kept patting the dog, and Ginger looked down and said, Husky, isn't that there your finger? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the dog had bitten Husky's finger clean off. Oh she my was God. lying there on the ground. Well, it is my finger. And he picked it up and he put it in the freezer. And the next day he went to the doctor. He waited The next a day. day? Yeah, he waited a day because he didn't want the mark, the mark against the beast because he didn't want his dog put to sleep. Right. So he claimed that he cut off his finger with a circular saw or something. But he could have still gone the, on with that same lie. For the longest time, look, if you want to reason with Husky. He well, had to come up with a lie because I did yeah. the same thing after I got. But yeah. you could see the bone in his finger. I yeah, mean, it was a clean snap. So he was missing part of his finger and you just see the bone in there. Yuck. Mary's just gifted us with a book about this character Husky called Little Devil in Me. And she wrote it. And it's our Christ, the mystic Christmas present. And it's a pretty darn good present. It's yeah. pretty fun project. Oh, is this mystic moment time? Let's stop and have a mystic moment, even if it's not time. I think I might have talked about this before. But um, anyway, several years ago, by the way, Husky died last April. Um, At the age of? 96. When it, for his 90th But it was still day. unexpected, right? Well, he was declining. It was expected. For his 90th birthday, I decided I would put together some stories. So uh, at least a year before that, I started collecting the stories and then set out to write the stories that he had told and found that to be totally impossible. So instead, I changed my, my tact and just transcribed literally his voice from hours and hours and hours of him talking. If that was not a labor of love, there has never been one. It took a long time. And then, you know, I had all this transcribed dialogue I sort of looked for story threads and put it together so this book is broken into discrete little stories they were not necessarily told that way but nothing has been removed or added it's literally just his words and if you know anybody that age from the south and how they talk it's really lyrical and it was a delight to to write and to share with him he and I sat down and edited it word by word and all I'd done wrong was misspellings and I got those edited and corrected and in a book form but unfortunately 
the book didn't come out till after he died. But you can order the book for $5 on Amazon or the Kindle version for 99 cents. And what do you type in to Amazon to get to that book? Little Devil in Me, Mary Dansack. Okay. And once millions of people order it, you know, it'll come up really fast. Yeah. And it says, the tales are best read to enjoy in the moment as if Husky himself was sitting beside you, glass of scotch in hand. And if you knew Husky, that's usually the way we found him. <laughs> yeah, right up to the last night of his life. Well, all right. Thank you for the present, Mary. You're so welcome. And now I want to ask everybody a totally different question. And that is, has anybody ever eaten Vegemite? <laughs> I told you I eat anything that doesn't eat me first. Yes, I have. In fact, I have some Vegemite in my refrigerator as we speak. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's very salty, you it's, know, but it's the, it, it starts out as the, what's at the bottom of the kegs where they make beer. Well, it's, I think it's actually, it's probably a probiotic if we look at it, right? Yeah. It's, it's got some yeast in it, and it may be from the bottom of the keg. It I'm is. I'm not sure. It is, and then you add veggies and spices. It's, so it's supposed to I just, taste malty and use mm, it like peanut butter. Exactly. That's what I just spread it on a piece of uh, bread of some sort and... Enjoy. So, supposedly, you're supposed to mix it with butter, and that's how it's uh, supposed to because it's an Australian thing. Right. And uh, it's uh, made famous in the lyrics of uh, Land Down Under by <laughs> yes. Minute Work. Vegemite We're all singing yeah. it right now. And, uh, but yeah, all the Aussies I've ever talked to said basically you're supposed to spread it on bread as thin as humanly possible and then pop butter right on top. And that mixture is what's good. It's by itself, it's a little, little bit rough. Yeah, it is, it is a little salty, like I said. But, you know, with something else on it, use it as a, um, like a mustard or a mayonnaise. It's not bad mm. at all. How so. about black pudding, pig's blood? I have uh, had black pudding, but I did not care for it because I knew what it was when uh, I ate are it. Are you eating this because you had so many children in your family no, that that's all y'all could eat? Most of growing up in my family, because there were so many of us, it usually are regular meals, as you put them. Um, we had spaghetti at least twice a week. And sometimes what we would call American chop suey. Mm -hmm. Probably can't say that. But it was ground beef, macaroni, tomatoes, and maybe a little seasoning, and that was our that was our staple. We ate a lot of potatoes. Lots of times, lunch would be a potato, a potato, a potato. This is almost sad. Well, it's not. I mean, we all grew up. We all are very healthy <laughs> today. Um, Libby was laughing the other day with all twelve of us. My mother could make a meal for all of us out of two pounds of meat. And today, you know, probably four people would easily eat two pounds of meat. <laughs> we just ate three pounds of potatoes. Sure, yeah, we just ate three pounds of potatoes. But yeah, yeah potatoes divide that by five, though. That's well, divide that by fourteen is what you would have done in my family. <laughs> yeah, we uh, had soup. You know, leftovers were put into a pot and made of soup. Well, how about this uh, food, Joanne? Yes. This may be a challenge. Have you eaten Rocky Mountain oysters? No, have not done that because I do know where they are. <laughs> they won't eat you. They will not eat me. And let's put it this way. I have never had the opportunity. No one has ever offered me a Rocky Mountain you oyster. You should have hung out with Husky more. I guess so. He always had Rocky Mountain oysters and he, he just went and harvested them himself in his fields. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not eat them, by the way. I was going to say, uh, I guess... Uh, but probably if you put them on the mandolin, thinned them out real good and saved yeah. them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little cream and now, this rosemary. Is Tony's saturia. This is close, but not there. But my husband loves gizzards. Oh, I do too. See, and that's... Now, well, what's the difference between a gizzard and a Rocky Mountain Well, oyster? there's a big difference. Yeah. We'll talk about that later after the... <laughs> <laughs> location, location, location. Yeah. Ask after any real the, estate exactly. agent. We will explain that to you after the podcast. <laughs> we ate a lot of sardines. You did? Uh-huh. How about spam? Did Well, Mama, if it were left up to my parents, yeah, we would have a lot of times on Sunday night she'd make fried spam and grits for supper. And I loved it. It tasted good. And she'd put fried spam and mustard sandwiches in my lunch because I was not a person who ate you know I wouldn't eat anything I wouldn't eat anything that the school offered just no please not hominy 
puffed grits again. So I carried my lunch to school from home. And two so of, instead of how many puffed grits, you had spam? Fried spam must- and mustard and potato pancakes. Fried potato pancakes in my lunch a lot. We're working on three generations of children going off to school with whole wheat bread, peanut butter jelly sandwiches, and an apple, and a little bag of chips. That was all I ate for my whole life going to school. That's all my children ate, and Ruby and Annabelle are headed there. We did Ants on a Log when John David started to school. We did Baba Ganesh and Hummus in pita bread, and Ants on a Log, except we did cranberries instead of raisins Yum. and called them Red Ants on a Log. So on Sunday nights, when my kids were little, and we'd have you know three children in three different schools, on Sunday nights, we would make the lunches and we would do it assembly line style with the bread and the peanut butter and the jelly and then we would pack the sandwiches back into the original bread bag tied up and put it in the freezer so in the mornings everybody could just grab their sandwich you know back to the assembly style line and out the door and every now and then a poor unfortunate child would come home and say mama I got another air sandwich. What? <laughs> an air sandwich. What's an air sandwich? <laughs> and I know what an air sandwich it's when is. Some unfortunate child got just two slabs of bread that had somehow gone through the assembly line well, and without, not gone through the quality uh, check. Yeah. <laughs> just two pieces of bread. No, 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 just two pieces of bread with nothing but air. A, a but fart sandwich. We have no, no. Gail. <laughs> <laughs> we have on occasion when there were. Many children and Mama didn't realize that the the pantry had run low. Go go with mayonnaise sandwiches. Yeah. Hey, that's a delicacy now. <laughs> mayonnaise and onion. Did you ever have mayonnaise and onion? To this day, I love mayonnaise. I and think onion. that's a the lyric. The larder was low. <laughs> I think that's a lyric from the Mr. Grinch song. Mayonnaise and onion. You're a mayonnaise and onion sandwich. They're so yeah. good though. Mm, if you, yum. If you love mayonnaise and onions, I guess you could put pepper. We didn't. We just put mayonnaise didn't and onions. Didn't the person that broke into your family home make mustard? Them? Oh, they made a mustard. She made a must- No, she she made a mayonnaise sandwich, yeah. but she didn't put the onions on it. Duck was well, she her was name. A, she was afraid. It wasn't me. <laughs> I got the mustard confused because I always loved mustard. And I snuck the jar of mustard and a spoon and went in the living room where I wasn't allowed and sat down on the white sofa where I also wasn't allowed and began to sneak eat mustard out of the jar. And my mama caught me and hollered my name. When, when, and then I, when she screamed my name, I threw the mustard and the spoon up in the air and got mustard all over her white sofa. Did I ever send you to school with uh, nothing in a sandwich, Rivers? No, it's reliably bread with uh, apple jelly and peanut butter. There you go. Well, my girls were making their own sandwiches. If they got an air sandwich, it was on them. You liked to eat at school, though, didn't you, Riv? Yeah, yeah. I, I still cannot have chili without also wanting... Because every day of my entire school life, when it was chili day, the side items, and this is K through 12, like the whole time, the side items were bowl of chili, cinnamon rolls, Mm. orange slices, and grilled cheese sandwiches. And that combo, to this day, (laughs) is like the only way to have chili. Like it doesn't make any actually, doesn't doesn't actually make any sense, except for the the grilled cheese makes sense for for dipping purposes. But Mm. yeah, to me, I'm like... If it's chili day, we've also got to have some cinnamon rolls and we got to have some orange slices too. Well, along with that, that line of what Marion was talking about with her mustard, Marion did write she preferred mustard because mayonnaise was the downfall of the Southern woman. And that comes from our The Ploy of Cooking Cookbook. <laughs> you know, even back then. I meant to read some of my recipes. And this is weird. I did not realize that I'd put mock apple pie as a recipe in Mastering the Art. The other day, I I ran into this guy that was ancient, and I'd known him for many years, and we used to rent an apartment to him in our old home place. And he asked me, do you remember making us mock apple pies? No, I don't remember that at all. You know, it's made out of Ritz crackers, and it really does taste like apple pie, except it's Ritz crackers. I guess I was being kind to the boarders or something. Wait, what do you mean? It's Ritz crackers? Yeah. It's no written. apples in it. There's yeah, no, apples no apples in it. It's called mock apple pie. And you make it with yeah. just like an apple pie with butter and cinnamon and lemon juice and zesty lemon <laughs> and white sugar okay. and brown oh, sugar. Okay. Apples. Gotcha. And then you use Ritz crackers. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I think it's better than apples. I bet it would be delicious. It sounds delicious. My mama made one night mock oyster stew. 
And she made it out of powdered milk because we were out of milk and put, I believe it was just crackers in there to be the oyster. It was the most horrible thing I've ever eaten uh, in I, I my life. I think the life. next time I bring dessert to the Mystics, I'm going to make my I wish you pie. would. I would love that. Once the Mystics visited Gita, remember we went over to Columbus and visited another great writer. Mm-hmm. And she made crab cakes, and I stole her crab cake recipe. Not her recipe, her sauce she had on it because it was so simple. And it was in, it, this is in the ploy of cooking under the story Lincoln and St. Lucia. All it is is the zest of a lemon and orange marmalade and sour cream mixed together. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. <laughs> I also have a recipe in Mastering the Art of Winch Cooking for the Perfect Gin and Tonic. It's one without a toe. I use Boodle's Gin, Rose's Lime Water, just a capful. A wedge of lime and chill tonic water, and it's yums. What did y'all put in this book? I have a recipe for my friend's bourbon balls, and I made them. They're really good, but they're nothing like the bourbon balls that I'm used to, which are, you know, full of nuts and like little baby cheese balls. (laughs) These are more like York peppermint patties, only they're circles and they're bourbon balls. And it requires you to put wax in with the chocolate, which is some chocolatier's yeah. trick that I didn't know and I ran all over town looking for paraffin. But then you're eating wax. Paraffin, yeah. Well, not very much, but it, it keeps, it makes the chocolate on the outside stick to the stuff. They were really, really good. We took them to the opening and they went like hotcakes. Oh yeah, they and did. I thought that at Christmas time it might be fun to put a drop of peppermint in there into those bourbon balls. So mm. that is in Mastering or the art use of winch cooking, the delicious instead of the bourbon. I don't know. Maybe. 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 Can you use both? You got to have could. the bourbon. The bourbon is such a delicious taste I don't in the know candy. Bourbon and peppermint. But we'll eat anything that doesn't <laughs> eat us first. <laughs> yeah. Don't have a recipe in this book, but I did. I did want to bring one to your attention. If you guys didn't know about this, uh, so this is uh, this is from uh, W O S U Public Media. It's a NPR radio station. Um, in 2015, after a 10-year legal battle, the Library of Congress released a trove of Rosa Parks' personal documents. Last year, the papers were put online for the first time. They include postcards from Reverend, Reverend Martin Luther King, lists of volunteers for the Montgomery bus boycott, and pages and pages of journals. Buried in the Parks collection is another document that doesn't have as much historical significance, but it got my attention. It's a recipe for peanut butter pancakes written on the back of an envelope. So this is <laughs> Rosa Parks' feather light pancakes, and we actually made this when this article came out and uh, they're great but also uh, she calls for two tablespoons of baking powder which like you know they 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 are feather light for sure but uh, yeah one one cup of flour two tablespoons of baking powder half teaspoon of salt two tablespoons of sugar one egg one and a fourth cup of milk one and a third cup of peanut butter uh, one tablespoon of short shortening or oil and uh, combine all ingredients cook at 275 on a griddle and that is Rosa Parks damn near explosive uh, peanut butter pancakes <laughs> with uh, with a ton of baking powder you know what <laughs> I don't fabulous. know why we didn't ask to, you to um, submit a recipe because we had guest recipes in Mastering the Art of, of Witch yeah, Cooking. Yeah, well, I, st- I stole that one from the late, great Rosa Parks. But, uh, but yeah, you did the, say it was public domain now, though, right? Yeah, Library, so, Library yeah. of Congress. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. It's, give uh, it some credit. But uh, yeah, if, if you uh, yeah if you attempt to make those, make sure you just keep an eye on those pancakes because it's a lot of baking yeah. powder. <laughs> it's a lot of peanut butter, now that you've had, yeah. Now that you brought peanuts up, we haven't mentioned boiled peanuts, and we're supposed to be talking yeah, about Southern food. Right. Yeah. And they're delish. Well, that's that's why I brought that up. Right. Uh, you know, Southern southern food, obviously. Right. Rosa, Rosa Parks, born in Tuskegee, uh, well-known for uh, well, peanut you, butter, George Washington Carver and all that. Right. You could yeah. um, write a little story and then just change the recipe a little bit. That's what I did. My very best recipe ever is my uh, chutney curry cheese ball. I know you've all had it mm-hmm. with pecans on top. And I stole it from the uh, party person of Auburn. And I served it <laughs> The one party time. person yes, of Auburn. She I had who all the recipes. Who, who am I talking about? Lee. Yes, I am. This She wrote cookbooks. Oh, okay. She looked just parties. like little Bo Peep. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is do y'all remember when Taylor Swift came to Auburn? Mm-hmm. Uh, two young students asked Taylor Swift to come to Auburn and give them a hug. 
And she wrote them back and said, you'll have to do 10 good deeds. And one of their good deeds was to walk Lee, uh, give her a dozen red roses and walk her across the street. Mm -hmm. And I was so jealous. And sure enough, Taylor Swift came and we were, um, Rivers, we were in an antique mall and you said, I think Taylor Swift is coming to Auburn. You'd seen the plane come in, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But Lee had the the recipes of all recipes. Before we run out of town, I'd quickly like to tell you that I took it to a party about 10 years after she gave it to me, and she was at the party. And she goes, this is absolutely fabulous. Will you give me this recipe? And I said, well, this is an old family recipe. Uh I'll think it over. So I mailed her the recipe with her name on it out of the out of it was in a pub, published in a newspaper uh, it said here's my old family recipe that was fun before we wrap up i think we should mention that our friend margaret wrinkle was on today this morning interviewed by jenna bush and hannah hannah whoever yeah well that's cool yeah it's very cool yeah yeah she's coming back well to deserved. Auburn. she she wrote late migrations one of the no, I'm just talking about Jenna Bush, as in the... Jenna Bush took Kathy Lee's place, apparently. So what? now instead of it being <laughs> Kathy Lee and the woman whose name starts with an H, but Margaret <laughs> says that she was very... That both hostesses were extremely kind and made her feel wonderful. And, and yeah, she will be back to read well, at Ollie. Um, before we um, close... I'd just like to thank Rivers Langley for all the insight and especially telling us the story about the toe and also, most of all, for coming home and visiting his elderly mother. And uh, For compressed potatoes. Oh, yeah, and for the compressed potatoes. They were fabulous. And you know what? If you would like to write us and get in touch with us and give us a five-star review, we'll mail you the recipe for compressed potatoes. At least. Or maybe a sticker. We, ha- we have um, new stickers, and they're beautiful. They're the moth logo that you see on our websites. Okay, Joanne. Well, let me ask Rivers first how we can find him, and then we'll see how we can. How do we find you, Rivers? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Rivers Langley, and you can check out my podcast. It's called The Goods from the Woods. It comes out every Tuesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. And after you find Rivers, you can look for Mystics at, well, you can find us on Facebook at at facebook.com slash mystic order of East Alabama. And you can find the show on Twitter at the Mystics, that's Mystics with an S pod, and on YouTube.com slash the Mystics pod, Mystics with an S again, or drop us a line at the Mystics pod at Gmail. You can contact us directly to schedule readings, or we will come to your cooking classes, or we can come your to garden clubs. Your garden clubs. <laughs> um, we'll, you know, we if there's a Study show, club, we'll be there. Car wash. Car wash. Sure. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Car washes. <laughs> Had a bad experience in high school, but anyway, or to order our books, <laughs> which are also available on Amazon. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. And please tell all your friends, because this is too much fun. And remember, ladies, be the flame, not not the the moth. moth.